0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. I am one of your hosts, Chris McGuffin, and today I am flying solo, but thankfully not for very long. If you follow us on Twitter, you would have seen that there was a sci-fi convention in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just about 30 minutes from where I live, and The Crash Couch was graciously allowed access to the con. It was primarily a convention for science fiction collectors, so there were vendors there with their toys and collectibles that you could purchase, as well as some authors and artists, There are also some notable names in the science fiction world that you may know, such as Steve Sansweet, which is a very well-known guy in the Star Wars fandom, William Shatner of Star Trek fame, and of course, our lovable pilot, Mr. Cass Anvar. Along with autographs and photo ops, Cass did a panel on the main stage, which is what you were about to hear. The audio comes directly from the live stream that was on the Con's Facebook page, so it's as good of quality as you can get. You'll also hear audio of an Amazon promo trailer, which I will try to get posted in video form on our Twitter, which you can find at Crash Couch. Before I let the audio play, though, I want to quickly thank Mike Havens, the convention organizer, for getting a bunch of great vendors and guests to show up. And I'm anxiously waiting to see what he has planned for next year. Anyways, without further ado, here's the cast and panel audio directly from ICCC 2018.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Cass Anvar! Oh, now I got the Assassin's Blues. Hi, everybody.
2: And hello, my name's Marty. I'll be your moderator for this panel. How you doing, Marty? I'm doing great. Cass, thank you for joining us. Very Appreciate good,
0: it. Very good.
2: So... Uh, I guess the first thing I want to talk about is The Expanse. The Expanse. Really excited. How many, how many people here have heard of
1: The Expanse? Watch The Expanse. Awesome, awesome. And, and more to the point, how many people have not yet had a chance to see The Expanse? Be loud
2: and proud if you got it. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good. That's really good. So, The Expanse is about to go into its fourth season. Yep, that's and, right. And uh, due to the Save the Expanse campaign, uh, it's moving to Amazon Studios.
1: Yeah, as um, many of you may know, because uh, I know I met some of you at the tables who actually helped us to save the show. Uh, the Expanse was canceled right in the middle of season three. Uh, we were running on Sci Fi Network, and it um, took about a month. Uh, we went through a roller coaster of emotions and the fans rallied and started to create a lot of noise. And then, lo and behold, we had an angel come out of the woodwork by the name of Jeff, be- Jeff Bezos and Amazon Prime. They picked us up, and we are now going to be airing our fourth season uh, and m- most likely our greatest season.
2: Uh, uh, on Amazon Prime so we're happy about that well in, um, in talking to several people as I've been wandering around the convention everybody has said they've seen such development out of the character of Alex Kamal uh, they wonder is there anything you can tell us about what to expect of the fourth season and if or with this move to Amazon can we expect maybe any change in the writing or tone of the series?
1: Yeah, um, I play the character of Alex Kamal. He's a Mars-born fighter pilot, best fighter pilot in the system, uh, who grew up on Mars with a Texas accent. Uh, he's, uh, he's a very interesting character, and over the three years, he's had a great, great development, a great arc, uh, going through a lot of trials and tribulations. He started off quite Mild and mild mannered and meek, and he, he had to really rise to the occasion when he was thrust into the fire and the battle. Um, and now he's become quite a, a hardened uh, veteran because they've been through war. And um, the move to Amazon is going to be interesting. Like, I'm not, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, we had three amazing seasons on sci fi. Uh, they did not shirk the job, they took an amazing set of books. The, uh, the Expanse is based on a series of best-selling novels by James S. A. Corey, and it was by no means an easy feat to adapt these to television, and I'm personally quite proud of the three seasons we did on Sci-Fi. I think they did an amazing job, uh, but this show is quite literally a space opera. It's an epic space opera, and I like to think of it as the first three seasons as the first movement of that opera. And it's almost quite fitting that in the, as the second movement of this opera is about to start, we are now on Amazon. And as you asked before, what kind of changes might we see? Um, the show is pretty dark on, on, Am- on sci-fi, but Amazon is going to give us a little bit more freedom. Uh, we're not going to be limited by any kind of censorship. Um, and we're not going to be limited by time. The Amazon Streaming Network, obviously, there's no commercials. So this is a binge-watcher's heaven. Uh, it's really what the show is meant for, is for binging. And so you're probably going to see a little bit more realism, a little bit more darkness, a little bit more color. Uh, those of you who are fans of Ava Avasarala, the queen, uh, you're probably going to see a little bit more of her similar to how she is in the books because she's got the mouth of a truck driver in the books and uh, we kind of had to rein that in a little bit on sci-fi network and I don't think they're going to rein her in at all on uh, on Amazon and we're not limited to time so if an episode needs an extra 10 minutes if we need to go to an hour instead of 47 minutes bang on we will go to an hour Uh, whatever it takes to tell the story properly so there'll be a little more creative freedom
2: Uh, now you just mentioned now you just mentioned the uh, the realism and we were talking just for a moment backstage about the, about the Expanse tackling the realities of space travel without relying on sort of the tropes of faster-than-light travel, et cetera. Yeah,
1: I mean, The Expanse... How many of you guys uh, either have recognized or are, are fans of the, the real-life science in the show? The Expanse has very, very, very accurate science uh, in the show. Um, it has been one of the big... Popular aspects of the show, and one of the reasons why most science fiction shows do not do uh, the, the realistic type of science is because it's incredibly difficult to portray real science on television. Not only difficult, but expensive. It's very difficult to do. Very costly to do zero gravity. It's very costly to do uh, all the the challenges and and that. So a lot of times we invent conventions that allow us to just deal with the story and not actually deal with the challenges of space travel. What our writers have decided to do is make space an actual character in the show that is a constant nemesis. Space is one of the biggest obstacles in our show. Space is trying to kill us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Uh, trying to get from point A to point B in space is brutal. It takes a massive amount of time, uh, months and months and years and years, just to get to some of the closest planets. It's brutal on your body. Zero gravity destroys our organs, destroys our, bu- our bones. Um, you have to work out like 3-4 hours a day just to maintain uh, normal health. Uh, it's hard to eat. It's hard to sleep. Everything is difficult in space. And people get eye infections. Their 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 body parts start to fall apart. It's just a really brutal thing. So we haven't ignored that. It's part of the show. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to talk about in, in words uh, well, to really was,
2: describe this. I was going to say we, uh, we have a clip or a, uh, a series of clips to you got,
1: I got I got a few minutes of footage. Do you guys want to see uh, Science of the Dance in Action? Yeah? Okay. So how about we, we dim the lights and put on some, uh, some quality science fiction for you guys to enjoy? Sometimes sometimes I forget that I'm in that show, and it's like, wow. Wow. That's a goosebump clip, right?
2: So you've mentioned uh, zero gravity uh, thing a couple of times. I have to ask one question uh, outside of The Expanse. Have you ever... Or would you ever consider trying out NASA's Vomit Comet? (laughs) Uh,
1: A lot of people ask me, would I go to Mars? And, you know, five years ago, I would go, hell yeah, I'd like to go. But then I started doing the show, and I realized, you know, I'd probably die out there or, or rot or my bones would fall apart. And, uh... Now I don't want to space travel, unfortunately, because it's not as romantic as I thought it would be. But going up in The Vomit Comet, absolutely. I've I've had an offer by one of the people um, who run that, and I've accepted it. So I'm going to do it at some point, and I'm sure I'll videotape it and show you guys. And hopefully I will not fulfill the namesake of that ride. But, uh, yeah.
2: Now, you also have uh, three feature films you've worked on since the beginning of this year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We finished shooting uh, season three, uh, I think, last year around December, and then since January until August, I was fortunate enough to have gone through three, got to shoot three feature films, one of which just premiered at the Toronto Film Festival uh, with Peter Sarsgaard called The Lie. And uh, it's a beautiful thriller uh, about how far parents will go to save their kids. Uh, And it's a dark, human story uh, about the psychology of of protecting one of your own and uh, it's directed by Venus Sood who is a very popular uh, new director she was showrunner of uh, the killing and she started this she created this series called um, 7 seconds which has been you know receiving a lot of attention on Netflix and now this this film the lie so very proud of that Another film, which I just finished, called The Operative, which is a spy film with Diane Kruger and Martin Freeman, uh, for those of you who know uh, National Treasure and Sherlock. Uh, Those two are my co-stars of that film. I'm very excited about that one as well.
2: Very exciting. Um, Now, I would like to ask something about Star Trek Continues, uh, the fan-funded web series.
1: You guys like Star Trek Continues? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. Big fan, too. I, I actually uh, I found out about it uh, a few years ago because um, I, I am a big Star Trek fan, and um, Vic Min- Minogna, who runs that, who, who championed it and, and plays uh, the captain in it, um, I was very impressed with his spirit and his soul and his, his incredible passion for the project, and they've built and recreated all the sets there, and it's just quite, quite stunning, and I got to play a Vulculin. A Vulcan masquerading as a Romulan, uh, and so I couldn't turn down the chance to wear those ears.
2: That's great. Now, as a fan, well, I guess I ask this two parts. As an actor, you're in one of the most advanced-looking science fiction shows available, and in and that started in 2015, 2017, you did Star Trek Continues. So you stepped back 52 years in the look and feel of science fiction, because that show is so beautifully covers the lighting and the sets from Star Trek. So yeah. how did that feel as a fan and as an actor?
1: Um, it was quite emotional, actually. Uh, again, I'm a huge fan of the original series. Uh, being set up my booth next to William Shatner's is a bit of a, a fan moment for me. I'm, I'm quite excited about it. And um, they shoot it completely differently than how we shoot our show. Uh, the lighting, as you said, it's very kind of old Hollywood lighting, very, very um, kind of butterfly lighting. Lots of the, the, the women on the show get this very, very special kind of lighting. They, they do special kind of camera moves, and uh, everything is so accurately recreated in terms of how it was shot and how it was done back in the day. Uh, and to, feel, to walk onto the set of the bridge, to walk on t- into the, the engineering room, to, to see the doors part, pulled apart by two of the stage hands, uh, it was really, I got quite giddy and quite uh, dizzy. Vic, who runs the thing, the first thing he does when you show up on set, he's getting into makeup and, you know, they're about to rehearse something and I walk through the door and he goes, oh, Cass, come here, come here, I've got to show you the entire set. And he takes me on a whole tour of the Enterprise. Uh, room by room, proudly displaying all the hard work and efforts that the artists have have gone into recreating it. So it was a real wonderful experience for me.
2: And you know Vic from voiceover work.
1: Uh, I've seen him at many, many cons. I've been doing my Assassin's Creed stuff. I've seen him there. We became friends. Um, And uh, I think we did a couple of little projects uh, together. And then he just asked me one day, Um, did you want to be part of this? And I said, hell yeah, because I'd watched it online I said, this is a very good quality show. He, uh, on a very low budget, he creates premium science fiction and he honors the true spirit of the original really well.
2: Oh, that's great. Thank you. Um, So you also, uh, you're the artistic director of a theater company, Repercussion?
1: Oh,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I used to, I
1: started a Shakespeare company in Montreal, Canada that's still going and uh, we did Shakespeare Park that toured all over North America from Canada all the way down to Texas. And uh, I kind of fell in love with Texas when we were doing that tour down there, so it was kind of nice to bring that love back when I got cast in The Expanse, and I uh, could put my, all my accent, accent work that I had done when I was touring my Shakespeare down there, I could
2: put it to good use. Okay, so you're from Montreal or from Regina, and
1: born in Regina, but I grew up in Montreal. Grew up in
2: Montreal, and you went to McGill. I did. Awesome. Uh, just like William Shatner. That's right. Right. And um, I saw on your uh, your profile that you had started in psychology, studying psychology. Yeah. And then you went to the National Theatre School of Canada. That's right. And yeah. When did you did you always want to do acting, and was psychology a backup, or did you just
1: I got introduced to acting when I was 16. I was a really, really nerdy kid. Um, Didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, Collected comic books and played video games and uh, very shy. And one day I'm walking down the hallway in high school, and my English teacher, I remember his name is Mr. Whitman. He's a very big, booming, very imposing, very intimidating man. And out of the blue, he stops me in the hallway and he goes... Mr. Anvar, you will be auditioning for our play, will you not? And I was, uh, like, surprised, and I'm like, no, sir, I I don't think I'm going to be doing that. And he goes, well, I think you should, because your brother was very good in Romeo and Juliet, and if you don't, I will fail you in English. And so I said, okay, I guess I'll be there. And so I went out and I auditioned for the role of Hamlet, and I got it. And uh, that was the rest is history, as they say. I got hooked on probably the biggest role in Shakespeare uh, as my first role when I was a teenager, and you can't really recover from that.
2: Wow, that's, uh, that's a great story. Yeah. And uh, you said you, in, in high school, didn't have a, a lot of friends, kind of a nerdy kid. I think a lot of us probably can identify yeah, with that. Yeah, and uh, you, you seem pretty active in anti-bullying campaigns as well, I've seen online, so yeah. so thank you.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, big, it's a big thing for me. I mean, being bullied as a kid, it's, people don't really take it that seriously, they don't think, oh, but it can actually have a profound impact on, on uh, you as an adult, so that is one of the things that I do advocate, is to really talk about bullying and to try and educate people and, and stop the bullying from happening because, uh, like, my parents didn't even know. My parents didn't even know that it was going on, they found out about it, when I was in my 20s, and they were devastated. They are like, why didn't you tell us? And it's because as a kid, you're ashamed. You don't want to say, I'm being bullied. You don't want people to come in and intervene for you, so you just put up with it. So uh, I try to draw attention to that and to try and encourage the kids to speak up and to talk and to get help, uh, because no one should have to go through that. Now, thank
2: you. That's great. Um, now, now... Are we going to
1: have people ask uh, questions? I was
2: just about to ask. We, uh, we have a mic set up, and I would like to open it up for audience questions.
1: Come on down. Hi. Hi.
0: I just wanted to tell you how much I've enjoyed this show, and I wanted to share with you that I was telling my son... Oh, he'll be so excited to be here because he's from the South, because I'm convic- I was convinced <laughs> that you were from the South from the show, so you're doing a really good job with that accent. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Thank you, Kylie. And I did come in late, and if you've already answered this, I just would love to know, do you have anything to tell us about what's going to happen next, where the show is
1: going? Are you, you're asking me to get in trouble, are you? you yeah, want me yeah, to, exactly. You exactly. want me to tell you what's going to happen in season four? Right. Okay, get out your pens and paper. Okay. <laughs> get out your video cameras so you can post it online. So, uh, as you guys remember, Season 3 ended with the gates opening in the ring world, the, the gate worlds. So, we now have 1,500 gateways to 1,500 different universes, different solar systems, uh, which very likely are going to have habitable planets there. So, um, unfortunately, I can't really tell you what's going to happen. However, what I can tell you is the universe of the expanse, as you have already experienced, the human beings in this world, the Earthers, the Martians, the Belters, they're all very human. They're all very flawed. They're all very much... Um, looking out for their own interests and the prospect of 1,500 new solar systems with new planets with resources when we're barely able to colonize our own solar system where Mars has been spending 200 years trying to terraform it, where the asteroid belts are being harvested for minerals, for water, for ice, uh, and the friction amongst these three inner species or races brought us to the brink of war. Uh, actually, not even to the brink. We entered into a war. I can only imagine that the opening of these 1,500 gates is going to be the equivalent of a stellar gold rush. And if we all remember what happened uh, during our history in the United States when the gold rush happened. It was quite a dramatic and colorful time. So I think you could probably look forward to something in that vein. And that's all you get from me.
2: Well, with uh, with such a, a varied uh, career stage, Shakespeare, uh, the science fiction uh, drama like Argo and Diana... Do you find yourself facing really unique challenges with a lot of green screen acting that must be happening with The Expanse?
1: Believe it or not, The Expanse doesn't have a lot of green screen. Uh, It's kind of one of the blessings that we have on the show. It's 80,000 square feet of soundstage. They've built the Rossi. The Rossi, all the levels of the Rossi are built. The only time you're going to see green screen is when we're on a space station or on a planet. And they have to show miles and miles and miles of extra um, set hallways that go on forever. Uh, That's the only time we do green screen. Other than that, we're actually acting on real practical sets. Um, The other special effects that we do, the visual effects, are the outsides of the ships when there's space battles or stuff happening in in space. Obviously, that's all uh, VFX. But for the most part, we're interacting with real sets. We're kind of like kids in a candy shop. It's, it's a real luxury to be able to work on there because they've built it all for us. And for season four, man, I was in the office yesterday before I came here in Toronto, and they showed me the sets that they've got planned for season four and mind blown. So I think we've got another question here.
2: Oh Yes, please.
0: Hi, Cass. Hi. Um, I just wanted to know if or what's the most challenging thing that you've um, sort of experienced when you've been filming The Expanse in the three seasons, at sci-fi.
1: What's the most challenging thing about shooting the show?
0: Yeah, or like something that might have surprised you at how difficult it might be.
1: Um, honestly, the science of the show is quite challenging because <clears throat> our creators, our showrunners, the novelists, they're all very, very knowledgeable scientists and scientific minds. And to them, the the scientific accuracy of what we do, it's not just a point of pride for them. It's actually a story point. It's, It's part of the story. How difficult it is, for example, during the war sequences. We don't have live communication with our warships, our battleships, when the people on Earth are communicating with their ships out near Mars or out near Jupiter, there's a 20 minute delay. How do you control a war when all your intel is 20 minutes delayed? By the time you get the information, everyone could be dead, everything could be destroyed. But they insist on uh, implementing that into the story and making it part of the drama. So we as actors have to kind of learn, for example, zero gravity acting is probably our most difficult thing. We're, I'm stuck in that Rossi chair when I'm piloting this chair, and this is a race car seat that's made out of fiberglass, and it's curved, and it's like this. So then I'm holding myself together with my abs, trying to keep myself... And then I've got to get up in zero gravity, and it's got to look like I don't weigh anything. So I'm, like, putting my feet on the ground, and then going slowly, and I'm, like, trying not to grunt, uh, as I get up and walk around, and then I've got to remember, I don't swing my arms like this because in gravity when you don't have gravity, your arms don't swing, they just kind of float by your side. Um, when you're moving, it all is normal. But try remembering to be somewhat buzzed on beer, walking in zero gravity, having your arms moving, drinking, taking out a thing, doing all this, and then going into a zero gravity flip, having lines, singing a song, like all of these things, all simultaneous um, it's, a, it's stuff that I've never had to deal with. Uh, for example, in season one, episode four, CQB, one of the most difficult scenes we've ever shot in three season is the scene where our, our beloved Shed um, meets his fate. Uh, that scene required zero gravity, going into gravity, going into zero gravity, uh, Rapid decompression, hypoxia as we're suffocating, wire work as we're trying to block the holes, dealing with zero-gravity VFX of the blood and all that stuff floating, and then some explosives that had to happen to, um, to create the image of the blood crashing when uh, we go back into gravity after zero-gravity and gravity and zero—and and then not being able to breathe, and there's no oxygen in the room, so we can't hear each other because you don't have— oxygen to transfer the sound waves, so people are yelling and screaming to be heard, and uh, highly complicated physical logistics to deal with being scientifically accurate, and it adds a lot of demands on the actors to act. So that's probably the most challenging stuff that I personally have to deal with on the show.
0: Thank you.
2: You're welcome. So we are approaching the end of our half hour. Uh, I'm sure we're all looking forward to the fourth season of The Expanse on Amazon.
1: We're going to start shooting it in October, so keep an eye out for
2: 2019. And The Lie will be available widely, hopefully?
1: Um, The the show, the first three seasons are on Amazon, so if you want to catch up or re-binge it, Amazon Prime has got it for you, and it'll be... Now it's an Amazon show, so they're probably going to drop the whole season. And uh, I'm taking suggestions, actually, from the audience and from my fans. Um, We had such a good time doing the live tweeting. When we're on a regular network where one episode gets aired every week, there's something quite wonderful about meeting all our fans on the night that it airs and live tweeting with them as the show's going on. And so we're trying to figure out how do we preserve that community how do we preserve that uh experience when we drop the entire season all at once because that's how amazon usually works so we're, we're taking suggestions how to uh so you can come up and visit me at my booth and talk to me if you have any ideas uh but i'll be here till the end of the day i, I, I welcome you all to come and continue the conversation
2: great well thank you very much for joining us thank
1: you guys you've been lovely